Hi, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome along to episode 30 of the Talent Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host for today, Alan McFadden, and today I am delighted to have with me Elena Agaragamova from Horizon Industries. How are you, Elena? Hi, hi, good to be here. Uh, both myself and Elena will be laughing because I was saying with a Scottish accent, it was quite <laughs> an interesting way to try and to try and see your second name, but I think I got there in the end. You you got it better than most, so kudos to you. <laughs> thank you for doing so. Um, Elena, thank you for your time today. You know, I think I said off camera, we've had a lot of buzz about people asking for me to get yourself on um, to interview, mostly um, because of your reputation and the type of content I put out now to try and educate the marketplace. You, you just fall directly in a sweet spot for it, you know. And when I started doing some research into yourself, I can see exactly why people wanted um, you to come on. Your passion comes across undoubtedly for the industry, but lots of really key facts that I think you cover along the way with leadership, how we keep it human-centered when we are looking to bring people into businesses, etc. It's also super val uh, valuable content at the moment because people are asking lots of questions about it. But for people who haven't heard your content or seen your TED Talks or read your book that you have, could you just give us a little bit of a background into yourself for me, please, Helena? Sure, thank you. Thank you for the kind introduction. No pressure on me now. Now I feel pressure <laughs> like oh, I have to really do this, say something impactful. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so I, I come from background of education, actually. I started my career in that. Um, quickly, you know, after, after if people have seen my, my TED talk, but it's uh, after 17 different jobs, I've decided that um, maybe, like, I know I have passion to work with people, but maybe I need something a little bit faster. So I was always, like, looking for that, like, fast-paced, like, I need results-driven kind of, uh, environment and so I decided maybe the corporate world would be something I want to try out so I kind of found my, my space within the corporate uh, world where I do now talent acquisition and development um, I also have a nonprofit where I work with youth and education as well so I really truly just care about talent I think talent like I live and breathe talent development and I have a very strong emphasis on well-being uh, when it comes to performance at work because I feel these two go hand in hand so that's just a, a little bit about how I came about to talking to you today. Yeah, and again, I think that's the reason why most people had been recommending your name to me. You know, I think it's such a big, there's two things there, I think. There is such a, a massive conversation right now around about how we develop talent, but also the well-being of our staff, especially after what we just came through with a global pandemic, which was new to everybody. But I feel as though it's now emphasised even more the amount of questions we get daily on well-being, where the line is between developing our talent, overstretching people. I speak a lot myself about being too obsessive from time to time. I know sometimes that can take away from my well-being. So there's a lot of things in there that I can totally understand why people have been asking to get you on. So I really appreciate it. I think for today's conversation, most of the questions were round about leadership and what we do to develop talent. I think there's two questions there. Firstly, I'd like to ask your opinion on when it comes to developing talent, do you feel a lot of the time in the media, it's pushed that it's all on the company. Mm -hmm. But the more people I speak to, people say there's a thin line between what the company needs to do and aligning it with what the individual needs to bring to the table. So I thought it'd be a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm with you on the media push. And I think it's, 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 it's good to kind of have that side of the story, but I think that we're missing a couple of other areas. So I always look at different responsible parties when it comes to talent development. The organization is one. 
right? You do need to have the structure and, and the kind of processes in place to make sure that people are developing and progressing in their careers. You need to have specific career paths in place. You need a spe specific kind of, you know, maybe um, timelines for people, you know, little checklists that they can go by because it's not always so straightforward for everybody, right? In terms of like, what do I do with my career, like in a, in a company? So I think having that structure internally is important. The next important factor is also the manager. So the person who's managing, you know, the teams that they're looking to grow because that's the manager's job. It's not a, a simply delegate it's people management and people development because in order for companies to scale up in order for companies to grow they need to develop the talent coming up and then the person who's managing them is then able to come up so it's a it's a, it's a it's a win-win for everybody yeah. but then one of the most important parts that that the media misses often is the actual individual employee ideally ideally and we don't live in an ideal world but you will yeah. have a great organization that has these processes and structures and a great manager but those that are listening know that that's rarely a reality yes companies there are companies that do it really well and there's great managers that work in just in unstructured companies and vice versa yeah. so you can't control that as an employee but ultimately as an employee as an individual you can control of your proactiveness level of helping your manager help you grow in your career and that starts with of course you know kind of self-awareness understanding your gaps that you need to work on understanding you know doing your own research there's so so much information out there in terms of doing research about what does a career progression look like in your particular area and it may may not be in your particular company but i think it's just taking accountability for your own development is super important because you can't control these other things but how can you influence it in a way that might help your own career growth that that's where the focus should be and a final thing i'll mention in a pause is if we're able to align these three everybody wins right yeah. but it, it's it doesn't work when it's just one thing or another we have to collectively look at it and collectively understand that it requires all these three pieces moving together and i think until we get on board with that we're always going to have these unstructured ways of career development employees complaining about the lack of professional development the lack of growth and all those things because it's just it takes three to tango in this case not two <laughs> yeah uh, listen, i think it's um i've been asked a couple of times now in different ways i was asked it but similar to question by leaders inside businesses who were saying words like we're trying to push our staff to tell us what they want or we are trying to it seems like they're trying to be the ones like in, influencing i would suppose their staff to do it do you think there's a real emphasis on understanding the person and making sure that you're not some people might not want that development some people might just want to be great at what they do do, do you see that happening a lot yeah so that's a great point um because there's this emphasis on like well let us know what is that people want and some people don't know what they want let's let's be realistic right and and i i do feel for the manager so i also want to be mindful that to be a manager is very difficult not everybody can never not everybody should be a manager not everybody not, but not everybody wants to be a manager. it's a tough job it's a tough job yeah. um and and having to the skills to be able to effectively people manage is, is is a whole other conversation there's no magic formula to people management you just have to you just have to figure out along the way, like, sure, there's specific trainings you can do and there's podcasts you can listen to and things. But it's like every day that you're faced with a new situation with an employee or a newer person, it's a completely different situation. And that you're like, oh, now you're just like, OK, I feel like I'm back at square one. But as a manager, what does work is building those relationships that you're talking about, like getting to know the individual team member 
and and it's not on you as a manager to figure things out for them and it's and, and maybe the employee also doesn't necessarily know what they want but if two people can have that conversation in a safe environment in in a way that you know it's transparent and it's truly open um, that's how you come up with those solutions it's almost having like a little brainstorming soundboard yeah. session with your manager and, and the, for you know and vice versa that's how you create the manager's job is to remove obstacles to provide resources and support right and by having those conversations with the employee and the manager is typically somebody who's been in that area perhaps for for some time has a little bit more knowledge than the employee potentially right maybe they act as a mentor as well so they might have they you know the employee might want to get get to where the manager is career-wise so the manager doesn't have to tell them what to do but they he or she can ask questions that can guide the employee to start figuring those things out for themselves. So it's not like, so I don't mean to sound like, you know, it's it's all on one side or the other, but I think by having a conversation in that safe space is how we come up with ideas and hopefully solutions we can experiment with. This is a really good point as well, because I think quite similar to another few of the questions that came out quite a lot is, how do you manage the other way? As in, if you've got an employee who's overly ambitious and wants to get there quicker than, than than they should or their skill set is at at that time. So sometimes I think a lot of the questions we get asked as a, as a team here is how do you manage that type of, mm. it's not the way about, it's not you then having to kind of coax something into what they want. Sometimes then the opposite way where they are very ambitious and very, I want it now, want it yesterday. Have you any tips on that type of kind of chat that you would have with somebody as well? Yeah, that that, that that's a good question. So again looking at two sides right yeah. as an employee because in talent development and i work with a lot of young um ambitious tech talent right but there's certain things in most like i'm just trying to think like in most industries yeah. even in tech some things just take time you need to have the hands-on direct experience you might be really great at something in that one thing but i mean and i'm you know i would love to hear from the audience and in, in, in the comments after this but you know, just from what I've seen with talent in different industries, sometimes it just takes time to get somewhere because it takes that experience. It takes that exposure. It takes that, you know, development of that expertise. So part of it is like, I think, being realistic on the individual side and often often not comparing what the other people are doing, et cetera, but what's true for you. I do talk even with a lot of candidates that would tell me, well, I've done X, Y, and Z. It's like, yes, but... What, I, only until you actually get that full experience and you look back, you're like, oh, that's why it takes time because it requires cert certain practices, certain repetition and certain aspects to actually get to a particular place. From a manager perspective, however, um, it is a tough one because people tend to get antsy. But I think, again, um, helping them uh, identify areas that they want to grow into because, yes, you can be ambitious, but as a manager, you can probably give them enough areas to work on not to improve on but just other like side projects for example alternative technology like in tech for example yeah. alternative technologies or tools that they can learn and use you can maybe because everybody has areas for improvements a lot of people again i'm going to speak in the tech industry a lot of people in tech great technologically great analytical skills lack in client management lack in presentation so 
also being realistic of you want to be ambitious, you want to grow, but what what does this future position that you're aiming for requires of you? And a lot of times in the tech space, it requires the the, the soft skills, the the kind of the people skills, the client, the stakeholder management skills that a lot of technical people don't always have. So you might be great technically, but you're going to hit a ceiling because you don't have those other skills. So I think again, just being realistic about you realistic of what are the gaps. Uh, typically, how long does it take to progress in these particular areas? There are very few people that are so like, you know, genius level that are just skyrocketing. Majority of us are pretty regular people, hard workers, ambitious, and some things just take time. Yeah. And so, I think, I think genuinely when most people have had experience of managing, once you get them to see, a lot of the time I always say to people, be very good at the stuff you're good at, but also it's like being self-aware enough to understand that if I want to take that next career move, it's like, how do I understand my weaknesses enough to start to start learning what I need to do to get me to a position of it, whether it's self-awareness or whether it's bridging the gaps as a manager that you can do yourself. So you need to employ people underneath you that look at it that way. Do you think it's advisable or good advice? I heard you speak about this a couple of different times, but also at the start of this podcast around do you think it's good to have a career ladder in front of people enter businesses? As in, if you want to be in sales, then this is the criteria of skill set. If you want to be a senior salesperson, again, here's what the next step up is to that level and the skill set you need to get there. Look at, even above that, business development director, whatever way you want to scale that. Do you think it's good to have that in front of people so they know what the goals are? But also, I suppose, to flip that question, do you think it's good for the manager then to be able to say to teams, this is a skill set. If you want to get there, here's what I need to help coach you on. Mm. Uh, this one I battle with all the time. And partially because most people want to see that. So yeah. in, in my experience, a lot of employees are like, well, I need to see where am I going? Because many people need to have that guidance. And part of it, and I don't want to go to the rabbit hole in this, but part of it is mm. because when we come from education system, at least in the U.S. and many other parts of the world, especially the Western side, we're told what we need to get to the next level, to graduate, yeah. to, to complete a degree, to get a job. And so by the time we get to out of university into a job, we're also looking for the same guidance. So the mindset is there. There is a rare group of people and, and, and they're growing and growing each day that are creating their own career pathways. And sometimes it's slider, sometimes it's sideways, sometimes it's zigzag, sometimes it's down, up, et cetera. So there is that unique group of people who are starting to realize that you don't need that ladder to go, to grow. And you can change your career within an organization if you wanted to. But that requires sacrifice, which I'm going to talk about, which relates to how do you deal with the overachievers? How do you manage them? Not deal with them, yeah. but manage them. But so, but most people today still prefer to have that career ladder because a lot of us don't know what we want to do next and don't know how to take the next steps. Or if we know what to do next, we're not sure how to get there. So that helps. And that's the structure of a, of a business typically. It also, there's also a lot of other indication impacts there, which is around salary brackets, which is around um, level, you know, different um, uh, uh, organizational structures. So there's a reason that exists, right? Because if you have a bunch of people who are like, well, I just can do all these things, it, it makes it difficult to be like, okay, so what do I pay you? I don't know what you what exactly is your work because our staff structure is X, Y, and Z. So anyway, so that's a separate conversation, but that's just a, a um, uh, something to, to pay attention to. But on the flip side, again, in an organization, a person who is an overachiever, right, 
and a person wants to do different things. One way to, to help that person grow, and even for the individual to say, well, I have these different interests, I know I can do more, I have bandwidth for more, for example, is to get them exposure into different areas of the business. This usually works quite well in SMEs where you have that fluidity within. So because in a small business, sometimes you're doing marketing, sometimes you're doing tech, sometimes you're doing, yeah. I don't know, something else. Versus in a big structured organizations, it's a little bit more siloed. And it's like, this is what you do and that's all you do. And it's more difficult to move around. But that comes with a sacrifice that I mentioned because in order for you to get to where you want to go, you need to sacrifice some of your personal time, most likely. Right. It's unrealistic. If anybody's listening and they're thinking they're going to over, they, you know, they're, they want to do more and they want to grow, but they're not willing to do it outside of a nine to five schedule or whatever that's, whatever your schedule is currently, yeah. the 40 hours, you're not going to get there. You're going to progress as everybody else on that career ladder. The unique group of people that I was talking about are those that are spending time outside of working hours, that are spending time volunteering their time to different, uh, let's say, I don't know, let's say I'm in tech, but I want to try a marketing department. Volunteering time to the marketing team to prepare for a particular, I don't know, um, uh, expo, whatever it may be. And, and, and for a manager as well to be able to have relationship across different departments to, to say, listen, I have, you know, I have Ben here, he's going to be really great for this project. Or I have, you know, Monique here, she's going to be really excellent for this other thing. You know, she, she's willing to give her time. But this is where it becomes tricky because at least what I've seen is the minute you start to say, this is a solution for somebody who is an overachiever. And if you tell the individual that, they're like, oh, well, wait a minute, but do, you know, but that's, am I going to get paid extra? I have to give my time. And then you have to ask yourself, well, what do you really want? Is it that you're, you know, because a, a person who is a high performer, they're typically doing a lot of other things. So yeah. then again, goes back to realistically, is it that you just want to hurry up and get up there because you want the title, you want the pay, or do you truly want to invest in your self development and become that high performer? Because that's what high performers do. Yeah. I, I had a coach, I've interviewed him on here before actually, Andrew Salto, who said, he said to me very early on, Alan, there's no shortcuts to success, was one, but two, it was he got me. He, I think he uses the words that he harnessed my my enthusiasm and my my ambition because really I knew I wanted to get somewhere but didn't really know how to get there and he was the one that said to me funnily enough about self-development if I wanted to be in sales he said to me Alan what work are you doing outside of outside of your nine-to-five that actually develops you as mm -hmm. a person and the more I thought about it I was like Do you know what pretty limited time and when I started changing that round it does, your career naturally starts to take an up when you start to develop in yourself. And I think it comes back to the alignment part that you speak about a lot, which I love. If you can get the business goals, structure, like you said, onboarding, training, coaching, all aligned with the people you're working with, there's no doubt that success comes from that. I think the, the next kind of big question, I think, and I wanted to really speak to you about this because it's always something over the last, kind of really senior roles that I've had, I sometimes look back in my time and, and I self-judge myself to look at, did I actually develop the managers underneath me the way I probably should have? And honest opinion was not always, I would always concentrate on people coming into the business, people, well, especially in a sales job, you automatically, I would look at the salespeople and think, how do I get them coached correctly? But I do feel managers get left out sometimes or there isn't a real process in place for that. Do you find that happens a lot? Or have you got any advice on that particular subject for me? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, managers definitely are put under a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations. But then who's supporting the manager, <laughs> right? Like, because they have to have somebody 
to look up to. And some organizations have that, you know, like above the manager, there's the directors and the, the maybe partners, presidents, et cetera, that they can look up to. Um, and that's how people learn, right? But ultimately, it's also um, really just just asking you yourself as an organization, like, what am I doing to support the managers? And there's different ways to do that. Of course, for a lot of companies who, who, who kind of have a very slim uh, top, what a lot of companies do is outsource executive coaches to work with those managers, right? But again, you know, I have to be realistic. Not everybody's going to do that. So if you don't have the resources, or if you as a man, if if you of the the person who's managing the managers, essentially, you know, definitely putting the time to mentor them in the best way possible, or outsourcing that. But if not, also for managers, what helps is first understanding that, and even for the organization. You don't teach a manager to be a manager by sending them to a one-week long course or two-day workshop on leadership, which is that's what a lot of companies do. They're like, oh, let's just throw them on a course. They're going to yeah. come back. They're going to be awesome managers. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Management is every day. Management development is every single day. Little small things you can do to be a better manager. So even if you don't have that support from your company, asking yourself the questions of what can I do today to be a better people manager, right? And it starts with what kind of relationships do I have with my team? Right. If I feel, do I feel like I have trust? And there's different indicators in terms of do you have trust? Are, do people come to you with, with challenges? Are they vulnerable enough to share what's happening um, in their particular lives? I'm not saying getting all personal, but you have to kind of know what's going on with your team members. Do you have a good enough relationship where if your team member, and this is a good indicator, I always say, like, if your team member is coming to you and say, listen, I'm like, I'm, I'm really just not where I'd like to be, but, you know, I really like working here. I'd love to work out a solution. I do have offers out there but I wanted to have a chat, that person trusts you. That showcases trust. If you just get a resignation letter from somebody and you had no idea that it was coming, chances are that's, that would be a red flag for me, yeah. right? So relationships is number one. Well, number one, self-awareness for a manager, then relationships. And then what is it that you do to actually show the behaviors and actions of a manager who is invested in their people versus just, just the business and just the, 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 the money aspect? And I do have to say a little disclaimer here. There are situations that require a manager to just be a dictator. <laughs> because yeah, sometimes yeah. when the house is on fire, like you just got to do that, you know, and it happens. And hopefully the company is proactive enough to not be in that situation, but it does happen. So I don't mean to say if the house is on fire, you should be like, How, yeah. how's today going? Yeah. What do you think we should do? Sometimes you're like, listen, do X, Y, and Z, moving on. So, so I do, again, there's no magic formula, but it's, you know, and I think statistically, most managers stay in a position for 10 years before they get any management training. But I also like ponder with the statistics because I'm like, well, well, what kind of training are we talking about? And a lot of times what people think is that two day, two day or one week leadership training where they get an MBA, it's just not enough. Leadership is everyday daily steps. And, 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 and it's hard to get like, you're never going to get a hundred percent right. It's just being mindful of the three things is like self-awareness what am i actually doing you know like like have i checked in with myself in general right am i leading by example number two relationships i have with my team number three how is this showing in action and behaviors yeah and it's you know when i came to i've been at solutions driven now i think i came mid-september time and i've been in jobs throughout my career where i've managed big teams etc and Coming to Solution Down, one thing they did right off the bat, which I absolutely love, is they have a, a leadership book club as such, where they basically get everybody who's in the senior management team and we read a leadership book. It's been picked. We then, every month, we pick a chapter of it, we read on it, we then go into a round table once a week, last an hour, 
she honestly the 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 actual learning part of it is the discussion. It's hearing from a manager in the other part of the business that might be stronger at something that I'm not particularly good at, and hearing how they deal with it, I can then take it and go implement it in my team in that weekly in that weekly meeting. And it's been something for our listeners. Definitely, I would advise. Type people obviously we don't have time, but really that mm-hmm. that hour or week that it's took into my weekly routine now has one hundred percent impacted the way that I look after certain areas of my team just because Nicky might be better at he might have given me advice. I think, you know what, I'll take that on. And I necessarily didn't get it from the book. I could have read the chapter and said, hey, it doesn't really resonate with me. But then when I hear somebody speaking about it, I'd be like, yeah, do you know what? That can help. So I totally agree with you. I think management support is one, it's a massive one. Making sure that you do have that infrastructure of people that you can speak to. I totally agree with what you say about the using sometimes you do need to as a manager step in and take care of situations but most of the time your your team will respect you more for that most of the time that's the times where they need somebody to do that as well you know and i think i think in today's discussion a lot of time round about leadership it just needs to be understood that you don't need to feel alone being a leader because that's possibly the place that normally happens and development of a leader is is absolutely key so i mean i thank you um for being so honest with some of your discussions there as well. I really appreciate it. One thing I always ask all my guests when we get to the tail end of our podcast and something that I'm really excited about most of the time now is in your career, you've obviously, I've obviously had the, the pleasure of listening to your your TED Talk. I found it really interesting. The first, um, the first job you had as a waitress was the thing that made you realise kind of how you could judge people and how people treat um waitresses and, and bar staff, etc. I like to think of myself as being very pleasant, but since I've listened to your TED Talk, I've been a lot more pleasant, <laughs> just to make sure. Um, but if you could go back to your younger self, what what would be the one bit of advice you would give yourself entering into your career? What would be that one golden bit of wisdom that you would give? It's mm, a good one. There's so many ways. Let me choose one. Um, <laughs> For myself personally, because that's yeah. what I lacked a lot when I was younger, um, is just that self-awareness piece. Self-awareness. Self-awareness, like, like, are you being are you being a good person? Are you being a good friend, partner, sister, daughter? What all of the above, like, and and the actions and like, and it's 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 hard because when you're young, you like, you're so in your own world and you don't really know what's the right or wrong. And but yeah. I think just 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 self-awareness um it, again just frankly speaking i used to think I'm, i was better than i than i was and uh through m- many many humble experiences and making lots of stupid mistakes and embarrassing myself did i then uh, but i'm a hard learner as well like i'm just a, i'm just a, a one of those people that learns the yeah. hard way but I, so i think i would i, I would have loved to have more conversations around who i am who do i want to be and what are those actions of that individual look like it's amazing. I have now asked probably about seven or eight people that question, and most people say self-awareness. It's something that just seems to be, well, not taught it at school, is one thing I say. And we are not um, really forced upon us by, sometimes our parents might make us a little bit self-aware, but it's usually through their eyes. So I always feel that people learn their biggest lessons through self-awareness. And normally, as you said, it can be through, most of the time it's through bad experiences or something we've failed at. Every self-development book you read talks about failures and how you overcome them. So 
I think it is the most important thing to tell anybody at Centre. And so thank you for being so honest as well. I really appreciate that. Elena, um, I will, honestly, anybody who's not been on and checked out Elena's content, please do so. It's fantastic, especially in the type of roles that we look to educate people on. But Elena, thank you so much for your time today. It's always appreciated. Thank you. Thank you.